Yeah, All right. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. Uh, my name is Tim Ewis, and as we've said in the past, this is my normal introduction like Kurt has is. I'm privileged to be part of the, the elder team and leadership team here at Northwest Hills. And it's, it's good to be back up in front of you guys as a team again. We don't have Will Outland here. He's part of the meat retreat, um, which if you haven't heard of what the meat retreat is, it could be somewhat terrifying. This is where the high school boys all go on a camping trip. And uh, this year they went out towards Alsea Falls. And they apparently live all weekend on nothing but meat. And so they just take a bunch of meat and cook it over an open fire. My little brother did that when he was part of the college group as one of kind of the, the high school leaders in training. And a kid brought a full roast. And, and then they were trying to figure out, like, how do we cook a full roast? So they're, like, trying to make a spit or something out of it. And then they ended up just hacking pieces off of it and putting it on a stick like a marshmallow and cooking it over the fire. But otherwise, they would have starved. But that's the, uh, that's the meat retreat, so that's where Will is at. Um, so, yeah, but it, it's good to be able to introduce ourselves, put a face to a name, so go for it, Jack. Jack Glubrecht. Uh, I've hung around here since 1981. Started as a middle school pastor, and uh, uh, accident a year later, I transitioned the next four years into care ministry. So that's where God really has rewired and what I enjoy. Been on the elder team since uh, June of last year. I'm the old guy, and uh, my name is John Reese, and I am delighted to be here and thank, want to thank you guys all for coming. Uh, we really appreciate that. And um, I've served as an elder uh, for three years and then was off for a year, and now I'm back on again. And uh, I'm excited for what we have to share with you today. So we were up here about nine weeks ago, uh, and for us, that feels like a year ago. I was like, it's kind of crazy. But uh, we were up here nine weeks ago sharing some difficult news uh, regarding Pastor Mike. Today, we're here sharing some much more exciting news, so I want uh, to make sure that's communicated up front. Um, We're excited about the direction of the Church of Northwest Hills and the information um, we get to share today. So our goal at the end of today would be you walk away with kind of two takeaways. Number one, you understand what we've gone through and and the training, coaching we've gone through over the last uh, eight or nine weeks um, and and the processing that's taken place on the elder team. And then number two, the direction uh, for the the head pastor, senior pastor search. Um, And so we want to be as transparent and as clear as we can in all of that. Uh, So it may feel almost like a little bit of a lecture up here with some slides we're going to present. I don't want it to be death by PowerPoint, so I hope it doesn't feel that way. But we just really want to put some definitions down so we can all talk the same language um, as a church. That's really important to be able to... to When when we say one thing, everybody understands what that means. Um, So... Without further ado, let's see. I think they empowered me with this. Oh, there we go. It works. All right. So this is a a quote. Um, I was uh, fortunate enough about a year ago to speak at a leadership conference. And as part of that, I got to sit and listen to all the other speakers. And this is one of the things that I wrote down uh, about a year ago. And as I was going through some notes on what we present this morning, it seemed like a good place to start. So don't waste a crisis. Uh, This is where real change can occur 
And the, the, the speaker emphasized again, take advantage of a crisis. So there's, there's one thing we want to take away from this. We were in a crisis about nine weeks ago. We've come through that. We want to take advantage of it and move forward in a meaningful way. One thing I want you to take away for sure is that this is not a pendulum swing. Like we're not saying we were in crisis and we're doing the exact opposite of what we were doing before. Um, it, it, people, again, I apologize. People don't like the football analogy sometimes. But like we had Coach Riley at Oregon State who was Mr. Nice Guy and everybody loved. And, and then he left for Nebraska. And they, a full pendulum swing to a guy like Gary Anderson. And then he left in a full pendulum swing back to a guy like Jonathan Smith. And I want to just reassure you guys, that's not the mode. That's not where our heart is at, is not for a full pendulum swing. So we're going to talk about some change, some potential change, um, but it's not across the board 180 from what we've been doing. Uh, the coaching, and I didn't set the stage for that well. Jack kind of caught us up to that. But the coaching, if you weren't here two weeks ago, uh, we were able to introduce Greg Kappas uh, from Grace Grace Global Grace Global Ministries, Grace Global Fellowship. Um, he was the guy, the gentleman that we brought in to help coach us through um, some of this. And we got to a certain point, and he kind of said, now that I've taught you and facilitated um, through some conversations, it's on you guys to do some work like any good coach does. Gave us a little homework um, and so one of the things he talked to us about was a book called Visioneering, and we spent some time talking about this and kind of the principles of what a vision for a church looks like, uh, and that's a good place to start this morning, kind of a, a devotion that, that Jack wants to share that, uh, that I guess Will Outland had, had shared with Jack. So, yeah. This is taken from uh, a section of that book, <clears throat> and it's entitled Blessable. There are certain things God chooses to bless. Obe- obedience, for example. And there are things he refuses to bless. Disobedience being one of them. As a visionary, it is imperative that we remain blessable. We must adhere to and lead our church to adhere to a set of beliefs and behaviors that reflect the tenets of Scripture. Our church may want to develop specific applications of tenants that set us apart from other churches, but at a bare minimum, we must embrace the standards set forth in the scripture. Second Chronicles 16 verse 9 says, The Lord strongly supports those whose hearts are completely his. So let me ask you, how important is, is it to you that the Lord strongly support what you are doing? Is it important then If it is important, then, your heart must be completely his. When you embrace what is important to him, you bring your heart into alignment with his. When your heart is completely his, you are blessable. Core beliefs and behaviors can be divided into two categories, general and specific. General beliefs and behaviors are those every believer should adhere to. Things like honesty, purity, and integrity should be embraced regardless of the nature of our vision. Failure to adhere to general standards of honesty and purity have caused countless visions to come apart at the seams. We have all seen visions damaged by mishandled finances 
and unresolved relational conflicts. These two things, along with moral failure, account for just about every failed vision. That I wrote in my notes. Northwest Hills has experienced all three of these things. Mishandled finances, unresolved relational conflicts, as well as moral failure. We are committed to building a strong relationship between the staff, including the senior pastor and the elders, so that we trust one another and hold one another accountable. This is imperative if we want our vision to succeed. Specific beliefs and behaviors are specific to our particular vision. We must review and establish our own core values. Finally, it says we will develop a list of both general and specific beliefs and behaviors relevant to our vision. Then we will use the established values as the things that we filter every objective and strategy through. And we'll be talking more about that. Yeah, so we'll put some definitions to some of those things today. Um, I got my clicker here. All right. So kind of three parts of today. We want to review um, where we've been. And this is a a teaching um, from Andy Stanley, uh, one of the first kind of books that I, one of the first books I read post-college, I'll say. And it's called The Best Question Ever. And the question asked is, what's the wise choice? And he often poses, in light of the past, in light of your current circumstances, and in light of your future hopes and dreams, what's the wise choice? And so we want to talk about that a little bit today. We have to acknowledge kind of the past, talk about some of the coaching that we just went through as an elder team and as a staff team, and then talk about the future hopes and dreams for this church. And and, and that thought process is based on Ephesians 5, 15, uh, and 16. Be very careful then how you live, not as the unwise, but as the wise, making the most of every opportunity. And that comes back to this, this idea of not being a pendulum swing, but let's make the most of this opportunity that we've found ourselves in. So kind of the, the quick history lesson, acknowledging where we're at, why we're there. We, we had a moral failure that put us into this um, period of change. And uh, a lot of work has been done in that. We also looked back to say, what are some of the things that led us up to that point? And, and one of the things that we established, and we'll, we'll identify this definition a little firmer later, is the idea of vision. What is vision? Who casts the vision? And, and before Mike came here, we had a period of four years. Some of you may not know this. Some of you have only been at this church since Pastor Mike was here or since Pastor Mike left. So it's, it's, it's very unique how a church works and operates and the individuals in a church. Um, so four years before Mike came here, we also didn't have a senior pastor. <clears throat> and, and one word that John brought up um, very early on in, in our conversations with Greg was the idea of having a coordinated effort or vision. And um, so we look back to say during that four-year period, there was no real coordinated vision um, by the elders and by the staff. So therefore, there could really be no coordinated mission, values, objectives, strategies, the things that Josh talked or uh, Josh, the things, we'll get to that later, the things that uh, Jack talked about and and Andy, that Jack read from Andy. So... um, 
I want to be really clear. That's kind of the history we're moving on from. But we have to address it and say, this is real. This is where we've come from a little bit. So uh, last time I was saying next slide, this time I'm in control here. So the first week of our coaching, uh, we, we sat down with Greg and we kind of looked at where we're really at uh, as a church. And it, and it was... It was tough. It wasn't always the, the most fun conversation, but we wanted to be very real and authentic. And so we talked about four specific things. So incarnational attraction and involvement. And those are basically why people come to Northwest Hills and why people stay at Northwest Hills once they choose this to be their church home. And in the three things that we took away that are all really good and positive, um, people feel a sense of Christian community when they come to Northwest Hills. They seem to be able to get plugged into something somehow and make friends and build relationships uh, within the the body of Christ in our church. Um, We have been known in our community as a preaching center where the Bible is taught well on a weekly basis. And and the last thing, um, and, and those are two historical things that we could look back 30 years on, Jack kind of being the, the local historian on that. Um, but we can look back at those two. And more, much more recently, um, with Pastor Kurt, the children's program has been very, very strong. And so that is something that attracts people to our church and keeps people at our church. Um, so those are the kind of first pieces. Then we talked about why a church would grow, reproduction. Why Are people coming to Christ at our church? Are they learning about Jesus? Is it making a difference in our community? And then multiplication. Once Jesus has had an impact on someone's life, are they going out and sharing Jesus with others? And that kind of dials in on the vision, the mission, the values, the objectives, and the strategies. Do you guys want to share anything else on? So this is the second week we went through, and we call this the four circles. Um, And this would be that, what does it look like to actually build disciples? This is something that, that we know has, has not maybe been a historical strength when we look at those other strengths of Northwest Hills. Um, there's been a bunch of different efforts. So maybe you want to address that, John. Yeah, so as the slide shows, um, I think that we, we understand biblically the importance of reaching out into our community, loving our neighbors, and um, involving them in sharing the beautiful and wonderful hope that we have in our Lord and Savior. And then training in the basics. Um, I think as we evaluated the church and where it has been, we see a lot of individual efforts, but one, but once again, not, not very coordinated. There is lots of great things going on at Northwest Hills. There are community groups, but even in those community groups, they might be going over a number of different things. There are women's Bible studies, men's Bible studies, both day and evenings that are taking place. There are all kinds of things happening with young marrieds, home group, just some ton of great serving, outreaching ministry. But um, where is the coordination and all that? And then when we um, get to the area of equipped to serve, um, we started to see that we kind of had a breakdown in that. In other words, when I'm discipling a a new believer, um, I'm emphasizing a lot that that person would grow in their spiritual disciplines. But am I 
am I pushing them to that next level that they need to recognize is important? And that's, am I equipping them to serve and then ultimately mobilizing them for ministry? And I think that we have been an incredibly care-centered church, but um, once again, a lot of individual great efforts, both locally and globally, as far as mobilizing for ministry. We've had fabulous people going around the world and doing different things in Uganda, um, just um, all over. We sent kids to Arizona, things like that, but... Are we coordinated as we could be in those efforts so that uh, we are doing this as a community? And I think that's one of the things that we really got challenged on. I didn't check. In our conversations, one of the things that we talked about was testimony, um, missions. We We have missions emphasis times, but we would like to connect, and this isn't a promise, but one of the ideas, a strategy, would be that we're connecting with missionaries and with the technology we have, we can put them on the big screen and do a live interview on a Sunday morning for five minutes just so that we are connecting with those that are already out there in the world. And we can also do testimonies of individuals like one of you up here on the platform for five minutes in an interview style uh, so that we encourage one another by what Jesus is doing in our lives we encourage one another by seeing what Jesus is doing around the world. I think a word that we kept coming up with and kept using is we have to celebrate these things. We have to celebrate them. And that, that's some of what we're doing in June. We're celebrating all of the volunteers that help make every Sunday morning possible. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to celebrate what's going on in Uganda. We have to hear about that. We need to see it live. We need to celebrate what's going on in Brazil with the, the, the mission work that we've done down there in the past or when they're currently there, when we send missionaries out, what is it like when they're there at that time? So celebration was a big part of this conversation. So week three, uh, Greg talked about this a little bit a couple weeks ago. Uh, week three, we really talked about um, 24, and, and I said this in the first service, like, He kept saying, hey, it's the greenhouse effect. And I'm like, yeah, we might want to go away from that analogy in today's day and age. We love polar bears. Yeah. (laughs) We're not trying to, we don't want to be the church that's known as creating a greenhouse effect in our community. (laughs) We want to create a greenhouse environment. Um, And so what Greg talked about was a greenhouse is a structure for growth. And, And what does that look like? And he brought in 24 biblical principles. Um, we basically sat in groups of two or three elders and staff combined, looked at all 24 of those, talked about how we do those well, how we don't do those, what it would look like to teach those. Um, and then he really challenged us to say, the churches that are thriving, that are growing, that have good discipleship models in place, spend a six-week uh, period every year and a half to two years reviewing those 24 biblical principles And so he really challenged us as an elder team to say, that should be part of what you're looking to do as a church for growth in the next senior pastor search. Anything to add there? Okay. All right. So the next piece is that we we need to look at is um, that's kind of where we've been and what we did. Now we talk about where we're going. And this is a, a principle I love. It's called the principle of the path. The principle of the path is direction, not intention. 
determines your destination. And so part of what we had to go back and, and look at was, what's the destination for Northwest Hills? It's tough to chart that path or that direction until we know the destination. And we've already kind of established, if we put vision in for destination, we've said that for the last four and a half, five years, we really haven't had a clear vision slash destination that everything is being coordinated around. So you can share your kind of example on the promised land, Jack. Oh, yeah. Go back to the Old Testament. Moses, um, Israel leaves. Uh, Pharaoh says, I'll release you. They head out. Their destination is the promised land. But they get to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, their direction is, how do we go from here? We can't turn around and go back because the Egyptians are hot on our heels. So they had to trust in the Lord, and that required required obedience. Think of, uh, I always picture Charlton Heston, (laughs) <laughs> Some of you don't even know who he is. But uh, Charles has to Moses, you know, it took obedience and faith to raise the staff to part the Red Sea. And so we constantly, it goes back to the, the point of vision is not going to happen unless we are obedient. But then they also lost the vision and then they wandered. Because and, and they then were, they got into disobedience. Yeah, they got into disobedience. They were ruled or guided by intention as opposed to direction, and they lost where they were going. So that, that's kind of the, this was the initial thing we talked about that Saturday morning after we accepted Mike's resignation. What's the destination? And it took a lot of coaching and a lot of conversations to get us to kind of being up here today. So as a Part of that, we want to go through and kind of talk through and define some of these terms because these are things that we hear uh, thrown around in culture so easily. And what I say to someone, what I say to JJ, he might hear I say vision one way, he hears vision another way. And so we want to make sure that we're all, as a Northwest Hills family, talking the same language. Um, so we've talked a lot. You heard Mike preach on it. You heard Josh preach on it. You've heard it talked about mission, vision, values. What do those mean? They're all kind of inter- interwound, but they're not really the same thing. And so we wanted to put kind of hard definitions on those um, today. So the vision is what Northwest Hills must look like in the future. And, and, uh, and we, if initially we put should on there, and Jack said we've got to change that to a must. What must it look like in the future? Um, the vision would be something that would be determined um, by and for the elders to safeguard. So it's something that the elders work together on, the vision, and then the elders safeguard it. Now that, that could sound kind of interesting because if we have a senior pastor that is here for an extended period of time, they could go through many elder boards. But that would be something that an, an elder team would have to, to come on the elder team. You'd say, part of my commitment is to protect that vision and that's in part your job. In the past, we've got into trouble by either having a lack of vision or by having a senior pastor um, uh, kind of cast the vision out. And it's an immediate pendulum swing when you move to another senior pastor. The vision completely changes. And so as we've talked about the vision as a team, we've tried to give it a lot of um, breadth and width 
and rooms and margin to operate inside of for the new senior pastor. And John has a great analogy he'll share here in a moment. Um, I'd say just regarding elders, like you said, we rotate. Uh, We're a senior pastor. We hope we could have a senior pastor that's here 20 or 25 years. But as that elder team rotates, we pound into the newbies that we will continue to press on for this vision. And we won't put them up for confirmation until they really are on board with that. And, and that vision is what all other ministry ideas are measured against. Like, does it get us to the vision? Does it get us a step closer? And so that's, that's the vision piece. We'll get to that later on, the actual vision. But the mission, uh, the second component of that, is what we need to do to achieve the vision. And so those are kind of the actionable items. How are we actually going to do this? Um, that's determined by a group led by the senior pastor that includes the elders and the staff. And we've, we found so much productivity in those meetings with elders and staff. And we, that's, that's very much in our heart to continue those uh, meetings that way as the mission is, is established. And as we get to the next two slides, um, when we look at the values uh, would be the next piece. So the values are the moral direction for Northwest Hills. That's what guides us. That's what the, 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 the um, vision and then everything else is judged off of. And, and as Jack kind of pointed out in one of our meetings, he said, well, on the website, we have 13 core values. And in the starting point, when we work with new people at our church coming in, we have five core values. We need to dial this in a little bit better. Um, as, as an elder team. And so that would be something that, again, the elder team establishes and, and safeguards as part of the vision and the values. I'd like to just uh, share a little bit. Hopefully this will kind of help us differentiate between uh, vision and the mission and strategy in which we, you'll notice that we said under mission on that previous slide, we're going to do this now. This is what we'll be doing now. But I can imagine that when Joya's uh, children um, are coming up in this church, that the, na- uh, the, the mission will look a little bit different of what ministers and, and reaches out to them and meets their needs. Let me give you a quick example. When I was 19 years old, I got asked to go to a summer camp to help be a, a leader and a speaker at that camp. I want to describe that camp a little bit to you. It was out in the forest. Um, there were three-sided um, buildings. They didn't even have four sides on them, and they had wood bunk beds with plywood for the bed, and that's what the kids and the counselors slept on. A little bit different, maybe, than Hume Lake now. <laughs> and there was a athletic program that we had, and the athletic equipment was a wiffle ball and a bat. And a lot of you don't even know what wiffle balls are. But um, that was the extent of all they had. And you could swim at this camp. It was in a pond that had moss all the way around it. You could either catch frogs if you were of a mind or you could swim and that was the swimming location that you got to swim at this camp. Now I know this is, next one is really going to frighten you. It even frightens me to say it because I think somebody will haul me off to jail. But 
Diane and I had been raising chickens as on the side. I got a little carried away with them, and we ended up butchering 50 chickens the weekend before camp and took all these home butchered chickens to camp and fed them to the kids. I'm in the food processing business. I can just tell you, you can go to jail for that. <laughs> and, and it wasn't Diane's fault. It was my great idea, by the way. So can you see how the mission strategy has really changed? Most of you wouldn't send your kids and put them through that to go to camp to be evangelized, right? But the vision of that camp actually would align perfectly with the vision that we're about to show you that we have. It, it truly would. And when you see it, I, I want you to remember that statement and you'll say, oh yeah, of course. Because that was the heart of the people that were taking these kids to camp. That's, it's a great example of how the mission can change and should change, but the vision needs to be safeguarded and protected. Oh boy, we've hit an impasse here of technology. Don't you love technology? Oh, some days. One more there, please. Yeah. All right, so now we get to uh, more definitions, but objectives would be the next piece. So the objectives are really kind of the, the, the meat and potatoes of what it's going to look like um, to fulfill that mission under the broader vision. And so that's something that is absolutely worked on by elders, staff, uh, and, and led by the senior pastor. Um, because we understand the senior pastor is the one that's really casting the mission and so often we talk about casting a vision. The senior pastor would be the one casting the mission. Um, and so that, that's why it's so important for their objectives to be a part of that. <clears throat> Please don't read into this. Those next things listed are just potential examples. Um, these are things we've talked about as an elder team, and, uh, but we have not met with the staff on. So like if you went up to the staff and said, so how are we going to achieve a multi-generational church? They're going to be like, we have no idea because we've never met with the elders on that. But these are things that have come up in our discussions as to what we would be looking for as potential pieces of the mission and objectives of the next senior pastor. So family-oriented training, top to bottom. Um, how are we training parents to parent their children well? Maybe you're a grandparent that is in charge as the primary caregiver or raiser of the children in a family. And so how, how do we do that well and teach Christian principles to our children so they can meet Christ uh, at an early age? Uh, multi-generational. We want Northwest Hills to be a place for a grandparent to come to, a grandpa or a granddaughter to be able to come and worship and have a sense of, of church family and belonging. Um, uh, an intentional discipleship model, and that's where my eyes are no longer good enough to read back there, but <clears throat> that's the four circles, the reaching new people, the training and the basics, the equipping to serve, the mobilizing for ministry. What's the intentional discipleship model that we're going to have as a church family? Reaching the next generation. We know that's important. We live in a college town, a college community. That is super important. It's on our hearts. Um, creating a sending point. So this will sound weird again. It comes back to the football analogies that some people love or hate that I always make. But 
But when we walk out those doors on Sunday, we want that to be a sending point to play the game, right? This is not like the end of the game where we all drink a Gatorade and high-five each other and say, we just made it through another week. Okay, if only we can be here again next week. This is the sending point of, man, we're going out into our unbelieving community in Corvallis. We're sharing Jesus with our friends, our neighbors. And we're sending you out those doors on a Sunday morning, excited with a plan on how to do that well. Um, Again, this is something that's on our heart that we've talked about. Um, Jump-starting high school. So we have a little bit of a high school group right now. We need, we know, we need, like, priority is to hire a high school pastor. That's huge. We know we need to do that. Um, Restarting college. We have to somehow get back on Oregon State's campus and become relevant there again. We have no idea what that looks like right now. So much of that is is dependent on the senior pastor and, and that mission, objectives, and strategies. Anything to add to that? All right. So the strategies, those are kind of how we do each objective. So if we say um, <clears throat> we want uh, a family-oriented training, the strategy would be what are we going to do? What are the measurables so that Northwest Hills becomes known as a place where you want to learn how to raise your kids with biblical principles and teach them about Jesus early in their life? Well, we have a model for that in Northwest Hills. People can get excited about that. And that's exciting for us to talk about. Um, so those, I hope we can differentiate between all those. I made just a little chart here. Let's see. Oh, boy, we got crazy. All right. So the vision is what kind of is over everything. That's protected by the elders. The values are protected by the elders. The mission and then the objectives and all the strategies are worked together holistically with staff, elders, and and, uh, led by the senior pastor. All right, so that hopefully answers question one of kind of what we've been doing for the last nine weeks. So, well, this is the culmination of it. I guess I jumped ahead there. So the the vision we looked at... um, we could go very, very simple or very wordy. We chose to look at something a little simpler. And we could dial it in, as, as Jack said, is simply Jesus' words of love God and love people. But we also felt it was really important to add in the make him known. It's one thing to just love God and love people, but it's another thing to share God, to share Jesus, to make his name known in our community and throughout the world. So this is what we've dialed in on. I'm sure you'll see this more and more and more. To love Jesus, to live like Jesus, and to make him known. And we could add, in our community and in the world. And that gives, as a vision statement, a lot of longevity. Because the mission will change. I, I would still send my kids to that camp because I want them to be real. <laughs> they can sleep on a, on a plywood bed. I love it. <laughs> what, what kind of bed would Jesus sleep on? <laughs> Live like <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> those, those, and those three, yeah. uh, and the Constitution says we are about evangelism, edification, and expansion. Three E's. Man, I can clear, uh, clear back school and before then. And it was always... Edification, evangelism, edification, evangelism. Those three.
three aspects fit into those three statements or three parts of the statement. Um, Greg shared with us a website, topnonprofits.com, and they have mission statements, value, or vision, get the right word, Jack, vision statements that run as short as five words and as long. Hill, Hillsong in Australia has a 127-word vision. There's and, no way. I'm not smart enough to memorize that. <laughs> so we wanted something simple that we can, can just, you'll see it everywhere and be able to repeat it. And it becomes your elevator speech, if you're familiar with that term. You run into somebody at the store, you start talking, you can share that. What does your church believe? We make it pretty simple with this statement. So that would be the vision statement. So to answer that, that's the first question. So the second question is, okay, in light of our future hopes and dreams, where do we go from here? So we know we need a senior pastor that shares that vision. So that's kind of the number one criteria is you share that vision. So the number two is then to sit and talk about what that senior pastor's mission, objective, strategies would look like. And are they a match? Okay, so where we put up some potential objectives, those things are obviously not in stone as the objectives. I hope that at some point we would be able to share. These are the things that we're really striving towards as a church, objectives. And these are the things we're going to do strategy-wise to make it happen. Um, But the first part of that would be an official interview with the candidate. And talk about the vision match. Talk about a match on uh, mission objectives and strategies. We would ask for some references. We'll follow up on those things. We'll do our due diligence in that regard. Um, Potential follow-up interview. we would have an official candidate weekend. Review, allow that candidate to look at and say, these are my things that I've reviewed with the elders as far as what I would like to do missionally, my objectives and strategies to complete that. Then the next thing that the church uh, requires is an advisory poll. So everybody that's a member gets a chance to fill out a poll and say, yes, I agree with this decision. No, I don't. This is why. Then us as an elder team follow up on that. And then we would call the senior pastor to Northwest Hills. So I can say, and I, I want to be, um, I, this has been a crazy nine weeks. And what I can say is Josh has been just awesome through that time period. Um, it's been very difficult for him. It's been difficult for us. Uh, but we're excited to say that when Josh gets back from vacation, we'll start initiating that, that initial interview with Josh as the candidate for Northwest Hills. And I want to be really clear, there's no other candidates we're looking at. Josh expressed interest in this position, and we want to work through a process with him. Yeah. Thank you. John says nothing else needed there. Um, All right, so that's that component to it. That may lead to questions, uh, may lead to whatever. Tonight we have the one family meeting at 6 p.m. to 7.15 p.m. So we would encourage you to come here with questions. Uh, We're going to be doing a brief financial update as a component of that. And then we'll open it up for questions of the elders. Uh, I would request 
just so we can try to prepare the best we can. If you have a burning question about what we've talked about today that wasn't answered, we tried to be as, as clear and transparent as we could. But if, if there's something that was mentioned here that you're like, ah, there's, just not that, that, that was about as clear as mud you as come on email us we we want to be as transparent and, and straightforward as we can um, we feel that's the job that's that's what we're here for uh, at this time so please come tonight if you have questions that are burning email us beforehand if you have comments on the training we went through email us beforehand we want to be prepared for you guys um, we're going to meet earlier. The elders will meet prior to that. And so any of those questions that come in, if there might be three or four duplicates of the same thing, we'll mesh those together. Try to address the questions that we get ahead of time. And then what time is left, uh, we'll, we'll proceed into other questions and answers. Yeah. All right, that is our communication, what we've learned, where we feel God is leading this church. John's going to lead us through a, a message here on communion, and I love it. This, is, this was so encouraging in the first service. I think we should stand. Uh, I'd, I'd love to. <laughs> so, uh, so I do, I, I do huge trainings at I work, uh, and sometimes I have 75, 80-person crews that I have to do trainings on. So what I do is I, I get them in this huge massive circle and uh, have them all stand out to the side and put their hand out like this and then I run around and high five them. When I do 75, they almost have to do CPR when I get around. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Okay, you can sit down. I'll do some other stuff. High five. We're going to switch gears here a little bit just so that you can know um, that John Reese is trying to stay up with the times, Josh. <laughs> I'm looking at an iPad with my Bible. He really on. is. Pretty cool. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> We're going to switch gears and talk about communion a little bit. When I think about communion, I think about... Uh, Literally, everything in the Word of God could easily... I, I think I could take a passage, lots of passages out of the Old Testament and I could share on communion about that. But um, if there was one thing, if there was one message as we take just a minute to look at a passage of Scripture, it's that I want you to know this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior then I want communion to be for you that you remember. I can't stress that word enough, that this is a time to remember. It is so, so necessary for us to have so much of our life that in the midst of all of the different things that happen in all the different circumstances, that they all take us back to the cross. Because when we arrive back at the cross, when we arrive back with our Savior, culminating 
a new covenant that is taking place within, then all of the circumstances kind of get suppressed and placed back where they belong in our life. Because we recognize and we remember that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Now, I don't know what it does to you when I say these words, but it, I can't help it. It almost brings me to tears every single time. He walked on that Calvary Road. There are certain aspects of the passion that just break my heart. One of them is them spitting in his face. Beating on a thorn of crowns into his head. Hanging on a cross. Shedding his blood. Why? Because somewhere before the foundations of the world were created, there was a decision that was made. And John Reese was chosen. And it was a gift of God, not of works. Lest John Reese should boast. And then I get this wonderful opportunity to take this little morsel of bread and this little cup of juice. And I get to remember that he did all that so he could sit at the right hand of the throne of God, fully justifying me making intercession for me on my behalf. Now there is the greatest gift that we could possibly get. And what an opportunity that we have to hold that little bread and that little cup and to remember John 6, verse 25 says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, where did you come? When did you come here? It's an interesting setting, actually, because what's happened here is Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. Now, some Bible scholars say that that was 5,000 men, and there may have been women and children there as well. So this might have been just a massive group of people. And uh, we know there was at least one smart little child there because he brought a lunch, right? Five loaves and two fish, right? And so he feeds the 5,000. That was, interestingly enough, Jesus' mission strategy for that moment. But I'm guessing it wouldn't work in Corvallis. I'm guessing if Northwest Hills would gather up all their resources and put a meal together for 18,000 people, I doubt you could get 18,000 people to show in Corvallis for dinner. So the strategy was for that time, wasn't it? And then the next thing that happens is a super, super personalized discipleship move by our Lord and Savior. He walks on the water and entreats Peter to do the same. 
for that. What lessons were learned there right down on an individual level. But then he comes off of those massive two things, walking on water and feeding the 5,000 and more, and he comes to this place with the religious leaders of the day. Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Isn't that incredible that they would ask that statement just after he told them what they needed to be doing? I love it when I'm discipling new believers. This is the question they always ask me. I just love this one. Man, if I just knew God's will for my life, I can tell you what God's will is for your life. Read the word of God. You want to work on something? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not self-seeking. It is, keeps no record of wrong. It does not delight in evil. Always hopes. Huh? Uh, when you get those all done, come back and I'll give you another list. That's God's will for your life. And here he's saying to them, amazingly enough, what do we, how do we do these works of God? Jesus answered them, I want you to get this. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. That you believe. So they said to him, then what signs do you do that we may see and believe you? Oh, I fed 5,000 and I walked on the water just a few minutes ago. What works do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall not thirst. He is saying to us this morning that there is something, something more tangible than this physical bread in this little bit of juice. There is something more necessary for the whole of who you are that he has created you to be. Yes, in this physical body, and yes, in this emotional body, and yes, in this spiritual body that we have that's been made alive in Christ. There's something more than the physical brain and the physical dream. And he's saying, it is me. It is what I have accomplished for you. It is this gathering that I have done from 
around the world to draw you to myself, the passage says later on. And he's very serious about this. He bores down into this passage later on. And if it wasn't for the word of God and Jesus saying it, we would say that it was a very grotesque illustration. But he gets to the point where he says to them, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you are not a part of me. And he's going to get their attention. And he wants our attention. And he wants the most important thing in our life to be that we believe and put our faith and our trust and our hope in him. And he is the dictator and king in our life. And what a wonderful king he is. That he would die on a cross and shed his blood so that he could have a new covenant, an everlasting covenant with you. An everlasting promise that he would seal with his own 100% innocent blood so he could go to heaven and make intercession for each of you. So if you do nothing else this morning in your communion time and prayer, I pray that you will say these words. I remember. Now, if I've just spoken for the last seven or eight minutes and you're wondering what in the world is this guy talking about, I have a word for you as well. It is that same Jesus that died on the cross that has his arms open wide. And he says, Come unto me. All ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. If you this morning have a sense of feeling just dead inside, or maybe just totally lost, my Savior, Jesus Christ, speaks of you in his word. And he wants to give you new life. And he wants you to be found in him. And I encourage you to come and talk to one of us afterwards. So that we can share with you the greatest thing that has ever happened in our lives. The very thing that we are delighted to take a little bit of juice and a little bit of bread in our hands. And say, oh Lord God, I remember with delight and thanksgiving of your grace and your goodness. Let's pray. Lord, you are so awesome and wonderful and good and kind and forgiving and loving. And I am so undeserving and yet so blessed to be yours I pray, Lord, for all of us that are in this room, that the message would be clear this morning, that you love us, that you have paid 
the price so that we can be 100% justified. That we are redeemed. That we are being redeemed. And that we will be redeemed is beyond our imagination. And yet our hope is in just exactly that. I pray for that one, Lord, that might not know that yet. I pray that they would know that your arms are open wide and you are begging them to come to you for new life in you. We ask these things in your wonderful name, Lord Jesus. Amen.